Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the second book of Kings, chapter 4, verse 42 through 44, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verse 1 through 21, and Psalm 145, verse 10 through 19. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. Last weekend, we had the great gift of hearing Brad Goff preach his first sermon in this place and his last as part of the staff of Redeemer because he was headed off to seminary. He and Maggie and the family were heading across country, and this was a way for him to kind of bid us Farewell, at least for a while. We'll be seeing him. We are sponsoring him, so he can't get too far. But Brad lamented a little bit that his lessons bookended all the action. He was, he was lamenting that the, that the lectionary had taken some verses here and then jumped way over to some verses here and had left out all these great stories, had left out the miracle of the feeding a 5,000, had left out the miracle of walking on water. And he was right. He was right. And he and I talked about it ahead of time. And he said, so I feel like I need to mention those things. I said, I have a feeling it's in the lectionary for the next next, um, Sunday. I didn't know I was preaching. So I'm really glad that he and I had that conversation because he might have talked about the things that were not included. But What he did talk about as he talked about these bookend verses, he talked about how they were a demonstration of Jesus's compassion, his compassionate presence for his followers. Brad talked about how Jesus, in his love for those who followed him, would tend to their needs, would recognize their need for rest, their need for refuge. And he would address that. And it was really a beautiful sermon. So if you missed it, you can find it at our website. Last weekend, I was also steeped in words about love. I had the privilege of officiating a wedding last weekend. And the couple had chosen a number of readings and anthems, all with the theme of love. Now, no surprise. I mean, this is a wedding. We would expect that. But what did surprise me a little bit was they also chose some of the tougher scripture around love. They chose the words that um, are found in Luke about, yes, it's fine to love those who love you, but love your enemy. Love the one for whom you can expect nothing in return. It was a, a beautiful, beautiful set of readings, and we were reminded in the words of the anthem song, Ubi Caritas, that where charity and love are, God is there. The readings and music at this wedding connected us with both the transcendent and the very grounded nature of love. And I found that to be true of the stories that we hear today. They connect us 
with both the transcendent and the very grounded nature of miracles. In 2 Kings, we receive a hint of the gospel to come. We hear the story that Christine shared of a man comes to bring food to Elisha, and Elisha directs him to give it to the people to feed them. Elisha's servant questions how this could be. How could they feed a hundred people? But Elisha insists they shall eat and have some left. And that is what comes to pass. The people all eat and some is left. So turning to today's gospel from John, we hear a similar exchange, this time between Philip and Jesus. There's a little twist here in that it begins with Jesus testing Philip, asking Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? And Philip responds, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. I could almost imagine us having this conversation in staff meeting about feeding, maybe not 5,000, but just feeding a few hundred. And another disciple, Andrew, speaks up. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus directs his disciples to have the people sit, and the people, about 5,000, sit down. Jesus gives thanks for the loaves and the fish and distributes them to all who are seated. And after all have had their fill, the disciples fill 12 baskets with what remains. The gospel tells us when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who was to come into the world. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is immediately followed by the description of another miracle, the same evening with the disciples alone at sea. The disciples have started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It is dark, and Jesus has not yet joined them. He has fled to the mountain. The sea becomes rough due to strong winds, and once they are about three or four miles out, they see Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. We are told they are terrified. Do they even recognize that this form drawing near is Jesus? Jesus reassures them, it is I. Do not be afraid. And as they are wanting to take him into the boat, they reach their destination. So the feeding of 5,000 and the walking on water are certainly two of Jesus' most well-known miracles. I mean, if we, if we look beyond the healing, the wine at Cana, these would stand out. And these miracles have been looked at through many different lenses over the years. Today, I found myself lowering the bar considerably. I found myself thinking to have 5,000 people gathered together with no violence that's a miracle. To have 5,000 sit down when asked, that's a bit of a miracle. To have 5,000 listen, hear, witness, respond. In these polarizing and frequently judgment-filled chaotic times, this alone may feel miraculous to us. 
and that's before even one person is fed. But the feeding of 5,000, the overflowing of food that remains, is received as a sign by the people, a miracle at Jesus' hand, a sign of the prophet sent by God. The sign that the people have witnessed and participated in is a transcendent one, yet it is also very grounded, a response to human need. As physical beings, we need nourishment. We need the food of the earth. And Jesus understands this very basic human need. And he takes action. Jesus takes action to meet this need. Jesus is a man of miracles, surely. But Jesus is also the compassionate, loving one, tending to the most basic human needs. Jesus, as the compassionate presence, is a miracle as well. In the second part of this reading, we see a similar theme, Jesus behaving in a transcendent manner to reach his disciples. Jesus walking on water is surely beyond anything we might humanly understand. Likely most of us in that boat would have been quite terrified too, first with the winds and rough, rough waters, then with this figure coming towards us in the dark. And Jesus also greets these disciples in the most grounded, loving, compassionate way. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus calms their fears, offers comfort and relief. The presence of Jesus in physical form, physical human form, is a continuous miracle throughout the Gospels. Jesus' very being is a miracle both transcendent and grounded all at once. And the path of love Jesus teaches us and invites us to enables us to bear witness in our own days to the miraculous nature of love. I was watching a late night interview the other evening. It was with Kabir Segal, who has compiled a beautiful collection of the words of John Lewis. John Lewis, the congressman and revered lifelong champion for civil rights who died last year. When asked about his favorite section of the book, entitled John Lewis Carry On, Kabir instantly said it was Lewis's words about love. In Lewis's words, we cared not only about those who were marching with us, but those who opposed us. Every human being is deserving and worthy of being loved. Our goal was to achieve unity. There's a quote of Dr. King's that I use from time to time, which I rephrase. To be bold, to be creative, to never give up, and never to hate, for hate is too big a burden to bear. I have decided to love. John Lewis lived this miracle of love with his steadfast faith through his final breath, and his message of love lives and inspires today. One of my oldest and dearest friends has been in the hospital most of the last couple of months. 
with time in and out of cardiac ICU. He's back in cardiac ICU right now. I've been privileged to visit with him and his family. They are my extended family. And we all agree it is a miracle that he has survived and at times thrived during this life-threatening ordeal. His hope has not waned. Despite repeated disappointments and setbacks and complications, his faith and optimism and genuine care for those who are taking care of him, they always shine through. There is no question that he is receiving the best medical care possible, but I fully believe that the miracle at work here is the fierceness of his love. Love of God, love for his daughters and granddaughters, his siblings, his friends, love for people throughout this community as he still experiences a burning sense of purpose to speak and act for justice, for love, for acceptance and respect for all. He, as John Lewis, has been a steadfast voice for civil rights, for justice, and an embodiment of love. Our bodies, our physical bodies, can only survive a limited time on Earth. And I pray for my friend's physical healing while being fully aware that there is also a mystery and healing beyond our understanding. Yet just as with John Lewis, whether my friend's earthly time is measured in days or months or years, the miracle of his life is reflected in the steadfastness and depth of his love. Both John Lewis and my friend could have allowed the anger and hatred and resistance they encountered in others to define them. But both of these men faithfully and full-heartedly chose love. They understood, still understand, the miracle of love. For many of us, this time of a bit more freedom, allowed with vaccinations and warmer weather, has also given us the gift of reconnecting face-to-face -face with people we love, being able to hug people we love. I've heard so many of you speak of the sweetness and preciousness of a first hug and embrace after more than a year apart. It feels a bit like a miracle after so much time apart. Standing up here and looking at you all without masks feels like a miracle to me. My granddaughter visited for two weeks last month and I savored every minute. I tried to remember savoring all those minutes and the exhaustion that followed, but they were worth it. Every ounce of exhaustion was worth it. I've heard of many appreciating the freedom, the opportunity to return to places of beauty and cherished memories, the sense of reconnecting with treasured parts of our lives that had not been available to us. In the everyday nature of our lives, we may notice the relative coolness of the morning. We may experience the touch of a gentle breeze and experience gratitude for the miracle of God's creation that holds us, sustains us, and inspires us still. 
Yes, we may long to witness the transcendent miracles, the bountiful loaves and fishes, the walking on water, the miracles that go so far beyond our grasp. We seem drawn to drama and the inexplicable, the mystery of it all. But let us also be attuned to the gift of the simple, grounded, miraculous moments where we may encounter Jesus in every day. Moments of healing, moments of nourishment, of comfort and peace, of soulful purpose and inspiration. Moments when we experience and share the miracle of love. Moments when regardless of circumstances and deep divisions, we miraculously are inspired to choose love. Let us savor every moment walking in Christ's love. Amen.